Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Inside Business, a podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Laura Slattery, standing in for Kieran Hancock this week. And on today's show, after years of negotiation, the G7 nations have struck a deal to back a global minimum corporation tax rate of 15%. What does this mean for the Irish government's long attachment to a 12.5% rate and its efforts to woo overseas companies to our shores? And why did Minister for Finance Pascal Donoghue say the move could cost the Exchequer 2.2 billion in lost tax revenue. I'll be chatting to Irish Times managing editor Cliff Taylor and Europe correspondent Naomi O'Leary about the intricacies of global tax reform, why they matter so much, and why European leaders have dubbed the deal a tax revolution. Cliff, I'll start with you. What happened last weekend and was it as seismic as some people are saying? Well, it was very significant, all right, Laura. It remains to be seen whether... It uh, paves the way for a final deal to be done because, as you say, this talking has been going on for for seven or eight years now. So what the G7 ministers, finance ministers decided was to back the two parts of a big reform plan, which the OECD has been working on. The OECD is a group of 139 countries, so it's it's pretty much all every country in the world that would be involved in this and, and trying to reach a deal to ensure that multinationals pay more tax and to change the way in which they pay after all the controversy of recent years um, that, that we've seen about the small tax bills of multinationals. So the G7 ministers back the two main parts of this deal. So the first part involves a change in the way in, in where companies pay tax. So in future, uh, the proposal is that uh, the big digital players and the big multinational players would pay some tax in the markets where they sell rather than just where their headquarters are based, as is the case at the moment. That's a big change. And, and Ireland is, a, is, a, is obviously a small market and is a country that has a lot of headquarters of the big multinational companies. So we would stand to lose from that. And that was what the Minister for Finance was referring to afterwards, after the meeting, uh, when he said this could lead to 2.2 billion or more, around a fifth of Ireland's corporate tax revenue disappearing because these companies... Uh, the, the Googles and the Microsofts and the Facebooks and so on that have their European headquarters, uh, international headquarters in Ireland would, would be paying some tax, uh, corporate tax for the first time in countries like France, Germany, the UK, so on. And so they would pay less in Ireland. And the second part uh, of of the deal backed by the G7, and I think in the long term, this could, this could prove to be the more significant one, was uh, support for a global minimum tax rate of at least 15%. On uh, on the on the major multinational companies, 
And this, uh, as you said in your intro, raises a bit of a dilemma for Ireland because our rate is, is below that level. Now, there are twists and turns in terms of the implementation of this, and there's still a way to go, which will go to G20 ministers now at a meeting in Venice in July, and then it will go to the, to the OECD. And alongside that, we have to watch what ha- what's happening in the US because the Biden administration has put forward its own proposals uh, in the US Congress. And uh, you know how this works out is very much going to be dependent on whether Biden can get his way with Congress and can get some kind of a tax plan through there. So a lot of moving parts, but no doubt that the G7 has given a new political impetus, imp- impetus to these talks and that we're going to see a very uh, lively few, few months ahead on this issue, I think. So it's not the case that even if they go ahead and somehow all 139 countries, is it, in the OECD? Indeed. Agree on this after many years of torturous uh, negotiations. But we, we won't necessarily have to change to a 15% rate or, or even higher rate. We can keep 12.5% because it's not really about the rate that any one country charges. Rather, it's about the rate that the companies end up paying. So there's a, there is a choice there still. Yeah, as things now stand, Ireland would, would have a choice. So what the proposal relates to is what's called the effective tax rate. So it's the rate companies actually pay rather than the the headline rate, if, if, if you like. Now, in Ireland, we know the headline rate is 12.5%. Uh, and in fact, most multinationals pay somewhere close to that on, on the income they declare in Ireland, you know, 10 or 11%. Typically, there might be some allowances that allow them to cut it a bit. The great controversy has related to money that's moved through Irish registered companies and, and isn't declared for tax here. So that's that's a separate issue, if you like. Yeah, I think there was the tax director of the OECD recently sort of said something like Ireland had been pushing its luck on that front. You know, maybe it's, it's not a tax haven, but we really kind of uh, interpreted a situation to our benefit the best we could. Yeah, I mean... At heart, a lot of what's gone on over the last 15 years that's now become so controversial is based on U.S. tax law and the fact that U.S. law allowed companies to build up these huge piles of cash offshore uh, and and basically um, avoid paying tax on them at all unless they were returned to the U.S. Now, those rules have been changed under the Trump, uh, the Trump tax reform plan of 2017, so that has changed. But really, the controversy in Ireland related to rules like the Double Irish, which allowed companies to, uh, to to move cash that they earned around the world through these Irish registered companies uh, offshore to, to companies that were actually tax resident, uh, that paid their taxes in, in, in zero tax locations like Bermuda and the Cayman Islands and, and what we traditionally refer to as tax havens. Is it still, do you think, feasible that we might increase, you know, re, you know read the, the mood music and uh, in, increase the rate to 15% and we could even possibly get more tax yeah. in? Yeah, it's, it's, this is going to be a tricky one. And I think Pascal Donahue, it was interesting actually that he immediately after the meeting on, uh, on Saturday, he came out and started talking about the other part of the plan, uh, um, the bit that involves a change in taxing rights and is going to lose some revenue for us. And was underlining that this had been um, that this had been taken account of in the exchequer fo- forecast for the next few years, and I think really what he was doing was trying to avoid talking about the question that you're raising there, which is the trickier bit of this, which is what we're going to do with our tax rate and what this means for attracting investment to Ireland. So as things stand, if 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 a global tax minimum tax rate was uh, was agreed by at say fifteen percent or sixteen percent or or whatever it is. And uh, then companies 
could pay the 12.5% rate here and pay a top up back in their home market. And as I say, that would be based on the effective tax rate, uh, the actual take from their earnings rather than uh, rather than the statutory tax rate. So Ireland could decide to, to, to follow that path. Uh, and a lot, of course, will depend on what the US does with its, its rules as well. But there's two questions about that. One is, would it make sense to do that uh, in, in an environment where everyone else had, had moved to at least 15% and there was no real advantage for companies in, in paying 12.5% here if they're going to have to pay up a, a top-up in their home market? The question will be asked, would we not be better to take that money ourselves into the Irish Exchequer uh, rather than sticking it at 12.5% here? So I think if this if this does come through, that is going to be an issue. And the second point then is what what happens if there is an OECD OECD deal? What happens at EU level? Because there's no doubt that the European Commission and some of the big member states will try and take up the recommendation that comes from the OECD and I guess mandate it to to, to apply in some way across the European Union. And of course, Ireland has a veto uh, in, in in tax matters. Um, and we may or may not get support for some, from some other countries like Hungary, but we would have to decide on, uh, you know, how much political capital we'd use up in, in that fight. And is that is that actually a fight worth having if it comes to that? But but a fair way to go before we get there. That leads me uh, nicely on to uh, Naomi O'Leary. European leaders had a rather different reaction to this tax agreement at the weekend than, than Pascal Donoghue did. What kind of thing were they saying? Yeah, there was very much an atmosphere of triumph and delight at this. Um, it's something that uh, particularly France, but also Germany, have been working towards for years. The sort of sea change was the change in the US administration. The Trump administration had halted talks at the OECD level and um, the new administration of President Joe Biden had re-engaged in them, which suddenly injected this momentum towards finding a deal. Um, and it was very much, I mean, it was explicitly greeted as a French diplomatic triumph in Paris. And they said also, the French government said that they would push for an even higher rate than 15%, um, which reflects domestic demand for something tougher. Um, they've lost patience uh, with attempts to agree an EU-wide deal and introduce their own tax on digital companies. And that was a signal, you know, that they were prepared to act unilaterally if in, in the absence of an international agreement. And I think the argument that I heard again and again from various EU leaders was that, you know, time's up, guys. You know, they're, they're, this model for economic growth of competing based on tax rates is over. And part of the reason is that it results in this situation where you have multinationals benefiting by paying very, very little rates and you have an enormous inequality between what the average person might pay in terms of their income tax and what the you know wealthiest companies in the world pay. And the more wealthy they are, the better able they are to arrange their affairs so that they pay very little, whereas small companies don't have access to multiple markets and very clever accountants through which they can arrange things so that they not only pay as little as tax as possible, but also are very opaque about what's actually going on in terms of where their revenue is coming from, um, so that it's very difficult to actually figure out where their earnings are. So there was a lot of uh, joy and delight and also an expression um, that, you know, we we need these revenues for the post-COVID times. We've just taken out all of this borrowing 
you know, the the EU has uh, borrowed uh, an enormous amount, um, 750 billion in COVID stimulus funds for the bloc to try and reform the economy continent wide to make it digital and also green and stimulate growth. And, you know, that's going to have the to the revenues to pay that back is going to have to come from somewhere. And that was expressed by the German government, the French government, that, you know, we need we need revenues to build our societies. And this was seen as a way of um, of getting that. Yes, the timing is really interesting, isn't it? Because, as you say, um, this has been a, a huge crisis, a huge monetary crisis. And, you know, it's a kind of a now or never. And, and the, the, we, you know, just to invoke a cliche, there was that, that race to the bottom when it comes to the biggest of the big on, on, um, on tax. And, uh, this kind of, the, the, the situation is, has kind of come to a head, I suppose. We had the G7 sort of uh, agreement or an agreement to agree last week on tax rates. And uh, the actual G7 summit is taking place this weekend in Cornwall. So will, you know, tax feature again or what do you expect? Will will it be the coronavirus uh, recovery uh, plan, as you mentioned there? Or apart from maybe seeing world leaders posing on a beach for photographs, what, what are you expecting will take place this weekend? I think that the tax issue... Uh, the main dates to watch for are, um, as Cliff mentioned, the meeting of the G20 in Venice, where the goal will be to widen this agreement out to 20 countries. And then after that, the full number of the, you know, 139 members of the OECD. In terms of this weekend, what we're expecting is more um, broader geopolitical issues to be discussed, um, including, like you say, post-COVID growth, uh, the pandemic, and um, international security. Also, there's going to be an EU-US summit um, with uh, Biden coming to town, at which it's going to be another fresh page, I think, in the sort of new chapter that the EU and US are trying to set in terms of their relations, saying that, you know, the, the Trump era is ended now and we're allies again, we're the best of friends. Remember, um um, the former president, Donald Trump, had described the EU as a foe and had kind of retreated from um, over half a century of close cooperation there. Um, so there's a there's a real impetus to try and reestablish uh, ties and allyship there. They're going to possibly announce the decision to end tariffs on steel and aluminium. And um, also the EU is uh, possibly going to support a U.S. call for a new independent investigation into the origins of the COVID-19 virus. Um, So that's the mood music ahead of that. In terms of tax, something that's important to note is that the details are really key here. uh, They've agreed almost on the easiest part in terms of the headline figure of 15% and an acknowledgement that the digital businesses, there needs to be a reform to how taxation works to reflect the fact that it's not a case of physical goods being sold in easily identifiable locations anymore, but that, you know, taxation frameworks need to adapt to the massive multinational digital giants business models, which are very sophisticated and very different to what taxation was sort of designed to capture in terms of uh, profits. Um, And within that complexity, there's an awful lot of room for something to be agreed that's actually ineffective. It um, it will depend on how do you categorize where profits are made. 
Uh, what kind of reporting standards do you have so that you can actually find out that information? And there's lots of issues here that, you know, big countries disagree on. At the U, every country will be trying to get a slice of those revenues, particularly the U.S. You know, a lot of the big digital multinationals are, um, you know, U.S. multinationals. And I'm sure the Biden administration will support whatever um, something that will, will you know, result in increased revenues for for the U.S. Um, but it's going to be really difficult to divide up who who um, the, who has claim to those. Uh, taxation revenues. Um, so that's a fight that's yet to be fought. And I think, you know, t- to be a bit cliched, the devil will be in the detail. Okay, so it sounds like it might be a little bit like the Joe Biden show this weekend, just because I guess he's, he's not over here every every weekend. Yeah, definitely. It's a big event. And um, I think it's also a sign of sort of international diplomacy and cooperation kicking off after a year in which much of it ground to a halt and yeah a a sign of perhaps a return to some normality at least in the wealthier countries. Okay so Cliff um, Ireland isn't going to be the only country arguing over the finer details of of this uh, tax situation is it? I saw the FT reporting that the UK Chancellor uh, Rishi Sunak was seeking an exemption for financial services companies uh, to protect the city. And as you mentioned there earlier, uh, Hungary could be, you know, in a similar situation to ourselves. Um, do you expect that this, you know, this, uh, as Naomi says, that the, the devil is in the detail and that detail could be um, so granular, we could still be talking about this in 2030? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt that the G7 did give this a big political push. But just a couple of days after their meeting is over, we're already kind of seeing the kind of problems and, and, and issues that are going to emerge. And, and, you know, as Naomi said, the real question would be whether this is a meaningful deal or, or, or just some kind of a deal which divide, divides up the cake slightly differently in terms of where companies pay tax because every exchequer is looking desperately for revenue. I mean, the cracks that you would see in the last couple of days, the first one you've referred to there yourself, Rishi Sunak saying banks shouldn't have to pay this tax. So immediately... Not our banks. <laughs> well, our banks aren't making much... Well, I suppose they are making some profits, but they're not uh, multinational operators anyway, but uh, not anymore. But the big multinationals in the city, uh, the big multinational banks that operate across across Europe, uh, a lot of them highly profitably, um, and, and Rishi Sunak suddenly is saying... A day, a couple of days after trumpeting this deal, that um, these big players should be should be carved out in some way. So that's just one example of how every country is going to try and and and, and set this to, for for their own advantage, if you like. I mean, the other example that's happened over the last couple of days is is another report that there was some special arrangement which um, the ministers, the G seven ministers, were trying to come to to make sure that Amazon paid tax. Because the particular structure of Amazon might suggest, uh, and the fact that they don't make very, very much in the way of profit margins on their retail operations, they make a huge amount of money because of the volume of they do, but their actual margins aren't huge. Um, so, so a suggestion that there will be some special arrangement put in place to catch Amazon. Now, you, you kind of can't do that kind of thing in tax rules. Tax rules have to be have to be you know fair and clear and equitable and and, and easily worked out, and you can't kind of tweak them to catch to catch one kind of particular giant company. And there's still, you know, a bubbling argument underneath about uh, how companies are going to uh, p- 
pay tax in the markets where they sell, what companies are going to be involved in this, and a fear in the US that you know their companies are going to be picked on, if you like, uh, if this isn't done. So I, th- I think a really complicated, uh, a really complicated picture now over the next uh, over the next few months. And as Naomi said, the G20 meeting will be the next kind of staging post on that. I, I, I wouldn't expect much out of the G7 meeting, bar a nod to what happened to the G7 and a, you know, a very kind of a grave statement that this is the way to go forward and it must happen. But they're not going to be discussing the detail walking down the beach in Cornwall. So, um, you know, it's very hot that's in uh, Venice in July. I'm not sure how much work is going to be done there either. That's true. I mean, but, uh, but, but you have, the, the, I guess, the master of... Um, one of the masters of, of the art of, of compromise and discussion, Mario Draghi, will be chairing that meeting because Italy is chairing that at the moment. So I guess if there's one person who might find a way forward uh, in, in that agenda, you'd certainly, you know, you'd put your money on, on, on Mario Draghi to have to have the ducks lined up in, in so far as they can be. I mean, one interesting thing is, I, I suppose, another way of looking at this from Ireland's point of view is that we've always wanted a deal to be done because Ireland reckons that if a deal isn't done, that because of the political imperative for these companies to pay more tax, that every country is going to go its own way. And you could end up in a fractious period where we, we lose a lot of tax revenue anyway, and we get caught up in sign of some kind of transatlantic trade tensions between the U- trade and tax tensions between the US and the EU. Because we've already seen the US now threatening some European countries who have um, said that they will impose it or are, are already imposing in some cases a digital sales tax on US companies uh, operating in their territories and the US are saying look we'll put this on hold for six months because we hope an OECD agreement can't be reached uh, or can be reached rather uh, but like if anyone thought that the era of tariffs and threats were gone with President Trump I think they're you know they're wrong there's no doubt that there's a you know there's a new political imp- impetus here, and there there really is a big drive by by by, by the US to uh, to get more revenue for itself and to, and and to do a deal uh, internationally that kind of settles this down. And just to go back to sort of what's at stake here, I mean, it, it, our foreign direct investment policy has revolved around this uh, model of get your headquarters to Ireland. You know, we'll give you a field. Um, planning permission might take a while, but once <laughs> once you're up and running. We've got a beautiful supply of English language speakers, but of course, most importantly, a 12.5% uh, tax rate and some other, maybe some other arrangements that might uh, work out even better. Um, so if, you know, the, the writing is on the wall there for that model, you know, what does the government do next or how do, do they, you know, can they evolve along along with um, the sort of wishes, I guess, of, of other European and, and uh, world leaders? Well, I think whatever way this this falls now, it's it's kind of clear that the era of using low tax rates to attract investment is is, is kind of coming to an end. Uh, I mean, Ireland may still be attractive on that score versus countries, for example, like the UK, who are talking about increasing their corporate their corporate tax rate, or even the US, which is talking about a twenty eight percent domestic rate, although that may not be agreed. Uh, but the era of kind of aggressively using a tax rate to attract uh, companies, I, th- I think, is probably is probably uh, is, is is probably over uh, for Ireland. So, the government, I guess, was have to see how this plays out first of all over the next few months, uh, and then it's going to um, it's going to have a call to make. I think, in terms of the of the twelve point five percent rate. But if I suppose if you look back fifteen or twenty years, tax was the reason why big US companies came to Ireland. Uh, and maybe kind of 
five or ten years ago it was still it was still a key reason but now there are many other reasons why American companies are in Ireland uh, as you say access to markets the EU is the EU market has always been an attraction skilled workforce and now you have a group of companies who are kind of deeply embedded here so I think the, the challenge for government is to develop policy that keeps those companies here and then ensures we can continue to to win in a you know a share of investment from them in future. Uh, I think inevitably some of the tax-driven projects won't come our way anymore. I think inevitably some American companies who would have expanded overseas are going to expand now in the US instead and serve world markets from the US. Uh, so, so the challenge for the government is to develop things like infrastructure and education, third-level education, further education, all the kind of things that we've been talking about, but maybe we haven't done quite as much about as as we should have done over the last few years. You know, the funding of third level and higher education being a, a classic example of where Ireland has kicked the touch repeatedly over the last decade and has seen universities slip down world rankings and, uh, you know, could be perhaps be seen to be vulnerable uh, in, in the years ahead if we, if, if, if we don't get our act together. Th- those are the kind of things that are going to make a difference in future in terms of where companies operate, not tax rates. Okay, we'll end on that hopeful note, Cliff, and maybe check in on this tax saga when it reaches Venice next month. But that's it for this week's Inside Business. My thanks again to Cliff Taylor and to Naomi O'Leary. You can get the latest business news straight to your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email on irishtimes.com. Today's podcast was produced by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. We'll be back next Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.